What's going on, folks? What a eight past eight hours. What a what a heck of a ride that we've been on, considering all that has happened during the weigh-ins. You know, I had a lot on my plate today. And um I wasn't able to get much of it done. Let's be honest. <laughs> I was, my ear was stuck to the, the UFC live show. I was in there for uh, the, the Hawani uh, ringer show that they do on Spotify live. Um, you know, they, they invited me in a couple times, but my phone was not uh, working with me. Apparently uh, Androids have some issue with the Spotify app and even the, um, and even uh, Twitter spaces as well. It seems to give me issues. So, uh, it would have been awesome to be able to offer up some of my thoughts and stuff in there, but you know, appreciate Ariel bringing me in there when he did. But I very pissed that I was not able to offer up my thoughts because of my goddamn phone. But yeah, I could not work at all today. You know, I was supposed to get uh, a couple of tape index updates done and a couple other things done, but I just can't couldn't get it done uh, because I just wanted to know what the hell was happening. It seemed like as the day was starting to go on that we were starting to figure out that Diaz and Ferguson would indeed be the fight. But then the other two, you know, matchups are kind of in limbo and trying to figure out if they could actually happen. Like the big thing was, um, <laughs> my guy, Derek Rodriguez has been very hyped the last 24 hours saying what happened with the boy come shot. I never said he's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just call it like it is. Jeez. Uh, regardless, uh, getting back to it. Yeah, uh, I was a little bit, um, I was a little bit concerned in regards to the Li Jing Liang and Daniel Rodriguez fight, right? Because the whole reason that Nate and Shemaev didn't happen was because the weight discrepancy was too wide. But now, like, you got an even bigger weight discrepancy between Li Jing Liang and Daniel Rodriguez based on their weights. So, um, yeah, I think they just came to terms, figured out a catch weight, is what it is. But I'm glad that it worked out because now, in my opinion, the top three fights, way better. In my opinion, they look way better, uh, way more entertaining, you know, more, somewhat more competitive, if you want to call it that. But uh, fun, fun fight. So I can't wait to see how those ones go down. So I'm not going to be doing a full card breakdown. If you guys want to hear my thoughts on the other fight, fights, Go on my channel, check out the MMA Logcast. I just went over all the fights. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday night, I went over every single fight or the night before that. I can't recall when it was, but it, it 100%. It's all my YouTube channel. I went over the entire card. I'm not going to bother doing it again here. You know, I was kind of slacking on, on, not slacking, but kind of finding a hard to lock down somebody for the ultimate weigh-in show. And then, thank God, because I would have done it at 2 p.m. and we still wouldn't have any idea what the hell is going on here. So... Um, yeah, if you want information on the other fights, go check out the MMA Logcast. I go over the full card there. This podcast will strictly be for the three new matchups that we have, the three last matchups that we have as well. And my guy, Parlay Killer, asking about, you still got Duado even after missing weight? I still do, right? Like, I might as well talk about the guys that did miss weight real quick for you guys, just to, uh, you know, let anybody know if my thoughts have changed on any of those. But honestly... None have my my thoughts normally don't change after weigh-ins that often. Um, here we go. Weigh-in results. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? 
All right. Um, who was the first to miss weight? Uh, Chris Barnett uh, missed weight by a pound and a half. It's fucking heavyweight. It's not going to change anything. It doesn't give me any pause. Hakeem Duwadu missing by uh, three and a half pounds was uh, somewhat concerning, but the guy seemed fine on the skills. He seemed fine at the weigh-ins, all that stuff. It's, you know, it's not like he's ever had dog shit cardio in the past, and I don't think it's going to affect him too much here. Um, also, he didn't look like it really hurt him to try to cut down either so um i think he should be fine the other one that was weird was the uh Irene aldana and macy kiasson fight being pushed up to 140 pounds clearly for macy kiasson who really needs to get her weight cutting under uh you know un under control because that's now a couple fights now that she's had to either miss weight or ask for a catch weight or ask to go fight up at 145 pounds. So we, that was evident as she came in at 139.5 pounds. And then on the flip side for Irene Aldana, we know she was already on weight, right? She weighs in at 137 and a half pounds. Nothing changes for me there either, right? A couple pounds is not going to make a difference to me. And the fact that Macy Casson will be stronger with a couple more pounds on her now. And the fact that she didn't have to cut down to 135 pounds. Her technique in terms of getting fights to the ground is still as trash, whether it's five pounds less or five pounds more. That's all I'm going to say. At any Aldana, we'll still cruise in that fight. All right, let's get in to the top three fights here. And the first of which... Um, all right, Daniel Rodriguez, peace, or Derek Rodriguez, peace. You want to be a numbnut? That's what you get. Don't be a numbnut. <laughs> say your stuff, say your side, flaunt your side, but don't be a dumbass about it. All right, peace. It was nice having you for the last 24 hours. Anyway, uh, Li Jingliang versus Daniel Rodriguez. Let's get into that fight, right? In terms of odds, let me just refresh you here because I'm sure there's been plenty of action over the last couple of hours since the lines have dropped. Right now, we are getting minus 155 on DraftKings on Daniel Rodriguez, plus 135 the return on Li Jingliang. Uh, now, Rodriguez should be the favorite here. I completely understand that. Um, Oh, Evo stuff saying he's been toxic all day. Has that guy been in other streams as well? Is that what it is? <laughs> Don't be toxic. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> uh, regardless, <laughs> you guys are killing me in the chat. Uh, so, yes, D-Rod should be the favorite in this matchup, right? He has more tools. He has more paths to victory in this fight. Throws in combinations, good southpaw, you know, um, output is usually very good. Does a good job in terms of just keeping that pace on his opponents. On the flip side with Li Jingliang, you're talking about somewhat of a lower volume guy, but the power that he hits with is just, you know, it's obviously very impressive. Um, the difference here as to why I'm going to end up going with the Li Jingliang side and not D-Rod and why I went with, you know, saying that Tony Ferguson was live when he fought Li Jingliang is Tony Ferguson thrives on the outside, right? Tony Ferguson gets his best work done when he can just be unorthodox and uses crazy footwork to stay, you know, not stay mobile or sorry, not stay stationary, essentially. Whereas Daniel Rodriguez, this guy needs to be in the pocket to exchange and to have success. And when you're going up against a heavy hitter like Li Jingliang, he is salivating at the mouth to exchange with you in that in that exchange like in that close distance in that close uh proximity now rodriguez could have his own uh, uh uh success and possibly find the chin of lee himself but lee's durability has been pretty ironclad over the last several years so i gotta believe that he should be able to take whatever punches that d rod is throwing his way again it's mma anything could gap happen any guy could go down here but i kind of lean on the Li Jing leong side here especially being the underdog in this spot 
you know, plus 135 is not too bad of a line on him. Uh, I'd like to see what Lee by KO straight up would be as well. But even just getting that plus 135, even plus 140 I'm seeing now on bet online, I think is not a bad spot for Lee. I think at a certain point, he's going to be able to clip Daniel Rodriguez. And although Rodriguez has no knockout losses on his record, the guy's been close to getting finished a couple times. And I think that's absolutely on the table here for Lee Jingliang. If Daniel Rodriguez wants to take this to the ground and try to grind out Lee there, that could be on the table, but I'm just not sold that he'll have the most success in terms of holding him and grappling him and controlling him from those positions. So the pick for me here is actually going to be the leech. I'm going to go with Lee Jing Leong, and I'll likely have at least a one-unit play on him here. And he might even end up being my dog of the night play, if I'm being honest, because I think that uh, this stylistic matchup is a perfect spot for him to go out there and, and find that chin of D-Rod and put him down in this spot. So, um Again, more tools on the Rodriguez side. I understand it. But, uh, you know, if, if Li Jingliang was minus 155 here, I wouldn't be so keen in terms of pay, playing him. I'd probably still predict him to win. But the reason I'd be willing to bet him in the spot is because he is an underdog and is because I'm getting more than, you know, half my money back when I put the money down on him here. So, uh, Lee for me, Lee by knockout. I know my guy Daniel in the chat here is not going to like that as well. <laughs> but uh, I, I do lean on the uh, the D-Rod side here. Daniel also saying that D-Rod didn't have to cut weight. That is true. He did not have to cut weight. Uh, but the leech, you know, I'm sure he's fine as well. But um, uh, I don't think it's going to be too much of a difference, right? Like I I think that's... Uh, that we need to pay attention to that, especially if Daniel Rodriguez is going to come out there with the grapple heavy approach. Even if he does, I just don't know how successful he will be with nullifying the leech and, and keeping that power to a minimum here. So give me the leech um, and give me the leech by knockout in this spot as well. Omar E asking, uh, sorry if I missed it, but when will you post official final bets on Patreon? I was waiting for all this to work itself out. Um, I will be doing that pretty much as soon as I hop off this. So keep your eyes peeled for that, my friend. But I'm going to go Leech. Leech via knockout. And Leech will likely be my dog of the night play for tomorrow night. All right, let's move on to the next one here. We'll talk about Kevin Holland going up against Hamzat Chemaev. Minus 520 on Chemaev and plus 410 on Kevin Holland. And I just got to say real quick, my throat feels so much better than it did yesterday, honestly. I'm not sure if any of you were all uh, in my streams yesterday. I did four live streams yesterday, but uh, you guys could tell that my voice was really starting to feel it by that second stream. But now it just feels nice to just really punctuate some of these spots I don't want to punctuate and not really feel a strain much on my throat. But in regards to this matchup, the co-main event, five rounds now. Interesting to note, obviously, Chmaev was the one that was looking to... Um, uh, to or actually was scheduled to fight five rounds. So he was training for five rounds compared to Kevin Holland, who only had a three-round fight uh, that he was training for. So that's something to keep an eye on. However, I think that Kevin Holland is one of those guys that regardless of whether he's training for three rounds or five rounds, he should be to go good to go for all five rounds should he need to. Now, I, I was kind of praising Kevin Holland's takedown defense all week in regards to his matchup here against, uh, or his previous matchup against Daniel Rodriguez. But now he's going up against like one of the best takedown artists in the UFC. And sure, he has made improvements, but I'm sure he'll eventually find himself on his butt uh, more often than not in this fight. It's just he does such a good job in terms of, you know, nullifying finishing opportunities for his opponents, even when he's getting ragdolled. 
So I think here, like Chemayev Smish, sure, but like I think he's going to have to lean more so on a Chemayev uh, uh, submission attempt, right? I think he's going to have to put Kevin Holland clean out here rather than just look to posture up and, and rain down big shots because Kevin Holland is squirmy enough that he might be able to get out of those positions as he's eating big shots as well. The other thing to note here as well, you know, if personally, I think it was a little bit of bullshit in regards to Chemayev getting cramps and that's why he wasn't able to cut weight. Um, you know, I think Chamaya was just being irresponsible, if I'm being honest. But if there is any weight to that, if there's any water to that, I truly think that the later that this fight goes, the more that it would favor Kevin Holland. Because if Chamaya was having issues with his body and cramping up and all that, you got to believe how hard he's working here to try to get Holland out of there early in this fight is going to catch up to him later in this fight as well. So the spot that I'd kind of look to target more than anything, you know, I mean, I'm not going to bother with a minus 500, minus 520 on Hamzat, but the fight doesn't go to decision. You know, I only see that online with it right now at minus 325. Uh, I'm assuming that would take some steam, but like if it stays anywhere better than minus 400, I think that would be a decent a parlay piece as I think that either Chamayev gets him out of there earlier or Holland could really start to pick up the pace later in this fight and touch up Chamayev from outside and possibly put him out as well. So I'd be looking at maybe a Holland round four, round five props. Holland round four is plus 3,000. Holland round, round five is plus 4,000. But then I really think that it's going to come down to Chamayev just smashing him early in this fight, getting him down with relative ease and getting him out of there with relative ease as well. Like you even hear it in Kevin Holland at the, the weigh-ins just now, right? When he just weighed in, uh, uh, Rogan was like, oh, you know, is this a better matchup for you or is a harder matchup for you? He goes, obviously it's harder, but I'm ready to go, right? Like he is aware that he'll likely get his ass whooped in this matchup, but he is game and ready to go. But I'm still taking Shemayev here. I think he gets him down with relative ease and smashes through him, eventually opens up a submission opportunity. Shemayev by submission is currently sitting at plus 350. I I think that would be the line to target in this spot. Daniel asking on my thoughts for under two and a half. Not a bad line either. Uh, sorry, under two and a half is minus 145. Opened up at minus 105 and has been taking uh, action since then. Got to believe the bad blood will likely allow this fight to, to finish inside the distance. Does it happen under two and a half rounds? I'm not 100% certain. But even around minus 150, I wouldn't mind taking a shot at that uh, myself. But I'll probably take the easy way out, parlay the chalky fight doesn't go to decision and hope to end up cashing that ticket regardless. So um, Chemayev, Chemayev early or Holland late, but fight doesn't go to decision would definitely be the spot that would go. Uh, Detective Allen saying Kevin's jiu-jitsu is solid. It might be hard to sub him, even if he's. it's easy to take him down. I agree with you. He is a black belt in jiu-jitsu, but I think what would open up those submission opportunities is if Chemayev is smashing him from on top, getting that back position, and then eventually you know, ring, sinking in a rear naked choke or finding something like that. Chemayev is huge. Chemayev is very difficult to deal with in terms of his strength. It's going to have, have to be like a ground and pound into a submission type of spot. But yes, you are correct. In regards to uh, bringing that up, of course, my guy Amin 100% agrees with me here. Shout out to the 130 live viewers as well. You know, a uh, lot of uh, shit going on over the last eight hours or so. So I appreciate you guys sticking with me as well. Uh, just quickly looking at the chat here. Uh, my guy Marcus Williams always got time for him here saying, what do you think is Holland's best path to victory against Chamayev? Uh, hope to uh, survive the early onslaught and knock him out later. That's probably what it would be. 
I mean, knowing what he's talking about here, saying, got to take the back position and go for the ground and pound. You know exactly what it is. Uh, All right. Let's get to the main event here. Again, if you guys are new in here, make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe, show your boy a little bit of support. It's the best way to do it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And again, if you want the full card breakdown, make sure you guys check out the MMA Logcast. Uh, I'll drop it in the comment section as soon as I'm done this uh, this video, just so you guys can go see the rest of my picks for the rest of this card. Speaking of which, for my picks, uh, Dog of the Night play, I haven't played it yet. It will likely be Legion Leon. That's going to be the only free pick for this card. Your boy's on a three-event winning streak or longer right now at four. And when that, whenever that is the case, the picks are strictly behind the Patreon paywall. Link to the Patreon is in the description below. Five bucks a month. Cheap as fuck. Hop on in there if you want to see what I'm actually on for this weekend. But the free pick will likely be Lee Jing Young. All right, let's go to the main event here. We're going to be talking about uh, a fantasy fight. This is the fight that a lot of people have been clamoring for for years and years and this wasn't the way we expected to get it, but we're finally getting it tomorrow. Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson. I'm seeing lines all over the place right now. I'm seeing as high as minus 160 on Tony Ferguson, plus 130 the return on Nate Diaz. And then on DraftKings, I'm seeing minus 125 on Tony Ferguson, plus 105 on Nate Diaz. So let's just go in the middle there. Let's say minus 135 Tony Ferguson, plus 115 Nate Diaz. Now, uh, when they were trying to get me onto the Spotify live show on the ringer with uh, Hawani and Pizzi and all those guys, the first question that they were going to ask me is, how would you line this fight? And I would have lined it perfectly as minus 120, minus 130, Tony Ferguson, plus 110, the return on Nate Diaz. And I would have expected the popularity of Nate Diaz mixed with the you know narrative that Tony Ferguson is a washed fighter to push Nate Diaz to end up being the favorite. But looks like the... You know, the the public is seeing this fight kind of the way that I see it. Now, Nate Diaz could absolutely win this fight, right? There's a reason that the odds are as close as they are. Nate Diaz, better technical boxing, great pace. He could be able to put it on uh, Tony Ferguson in this spot. Not to mention, he was the one that was training for a five-round fight, whereas Tony Ferguson took the fight already on a little bit of short notice uh, and then... Uh, now taking this fight on even shorter notice for an extra two rounds. So that's got to be a little bit of a question mark. But if there's anybody on short notice that would be ready for a five-rounder, it would be a guy like Tony Ferguson, if I'm being honest. Now, in terms of how I break this fight down technically, Nate Diaz, I think, is going to struggle with the movement and the wacky style of Tony Ferguson. And it's not like we got crazy power that we got to worry about from the Nate Diaz side to think that he's going to be able to clip Tony Ferguson, uh, hurt him, and, and put him away. It's possible, right? It's MMA at the end of the day, and especially if Tony Ferguson's durability is a question mark, like a lot of people thought it was going into the Li Jing Liang fight, maybe the you know the the softened chin here will allow Nate Diaz to actually go out there and hurt him very badly and get him out of there in that, that aspect. I'm thinking that we get a five round war though. I'm thinking that we get these guys touching each other up from the outside. Maybe Tony Ferguson gets some success by taking this fight to the ground. You know, uh, his jiu-jitsu should obviously be good enough to stay out of anything that Nate Diaz is going to look to attack him with. 
and this is just going to be, a, in my opinion, a bloody war. It's going to be a fight of the year contender based just on how these guys fight. But in my opinion, Tony Ferguson will likely have the better moments in terms of landing his elbows, cutting up Nate Diaz. There's a possibility for a cut stoppage here, especially when you're talking about blades and shades, Tony Ferguson. It could absolutely happen in this spot. So I do lean on the Tony Ferguson side, but I wouldn't part ways with my money anything worse than minus 120 or minus 125 personally. He should win this fight. Yeah, I mean, but just given all the circumstances, the short notice, the extra two rounds, all of that, all that stuff, uh, it gives me a little bit of pause. So I was thinking maybe let's play the total. The over four and a half is currently at minus 130. I just don't have enough confidence in that either in case Tony does cut up Nate Diaz and we do end up getting that cut stoppage as well. So I'm going to be monitoring this line. Like if I end up getting that Tony Ferguson minus 120-ish, I'll likely take a 1.2 unit shot on him to win this fight. But like Nate Diaz is live. I completely understand why Nate Diaz is live in this spot. But Tony Ferguson just might be too much of a fireball for him to truly get a beat on and truly just find those uh, combination strikes and touch him on the chin and uh, be able to outstrike him, right? Like like Anthony Pettis, there's a reason that Nate Diaz can go out there and beat up a guy like that because Anthony starts to slow down after a certain amount of time and really starts to get demoralized. Tony Ferguson is in that fight. No matter whether he's getting his ass whooped like he was against Justin Gaethje, that guy was still looking for a way to win that fight even when he was battered and bloodied after 50 to 20 minutes of that fight. Uh, you know, the, the the Charles Oliveira fight, the Benio Dariush fight, the, the Michael Chandler fight, for God's sakes. He is very fun, and I think that he could uh, make this very difficult for uh, Nate Diaz to get into any sort of groove or any sort of rhythm. So I'm going to go Tony Ferguson here. I'm going to go Ferguson by decision, but I'm not counting out a possible doctor stoppage um, via cuts here, just based on how Tony Ferguson fights. Ferguson by TKO is plus 235 as well, just to keep something in mind there. All right, let me just quickly see if there's anything that I need to touch on here from the live chat. Uh, Prison Mike saying Tony Ferguson via elbow windmill. I want to try to keep this as short as possible so that I can throw it up on my um, my audio version as well. Nick saying minus 145 DS for sure. If Hey, if you like minus 145 DS, you can get him plus 130 now as well on certain spots. So make sure you uh, take that. Daniel perfectly saying it the exact same way that I do. Thoughts on over four and a half. Only thing I'll worry about is the cuts. And he's saying Tony wins this for sure as well. I'm not sure for sure, but I think he wins this fight. And I'm thinking that we're going to... I'm sure that we might get some action on uh, Nate Diaz overnight. So I'm just going to keep my eye on... uh, Keep my eye on this line mover and see how it goes down. All right. Uh, Brittany Nolta saying, well, DK, give us our bets back. Um, if it wasn't a parlay, they will void the legs of your parlay that got canceled. But if it was a straight bet on any of those fights that just got rejigged, then you will get your money back. All right. Perfect. All right. Appreciate everybody checking out the podcast. I'll be back tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern for the fight day live chat. If you want to check out what the, my thoughts are on the full card, that you can that can be seen on the MMA Lawcast, which is on my channel. After I go offline here, I will be dropping the link to that in the comment section below. So make sure you guys go check that. Um, 
And uh, if you want to know what my official picks are, it's strictly going to be on the Patreon page. Five bucks a month. Link is in the description below. No long-term commitments either. So even if I lose this weekend, you can just be like, fuck this guy. And you can just hop off that Patreon. But uh, the the picks are only behind the Patreon wall because I'm on a three-fight winning streak or three-event winning streak or longer. Right now it's at four. Hoping to keep that going. Once I hit my next losing event, picks will end up being free and be back on social media. All right. I love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Good luck on the bets. And I'll catch you guys tomorrow for the Fight Day live chat, 1 p.m. Eastern. Oh, wait. I'm actually doing another show tomorrow as well. I will be with my guy Brady DFS by the numbers. I'm going to be doing his show starting at 4 o'clock tomorrow. I'm not sure if he's announced it yet, but at least you guys will hear it now. Um, but I'm going to be jumping on with, uh, with Brady tomorrow at 4 p.m. to break down the fights uh, before the fights actually go off. So two times. And what? was that i've never heard my phone make that noise before as soon as mitch Thomas put um as soon as mitch Thomas put tony time it went off that's hilarious ah that was something else all right love you guys appreciate you guys good luck tomorrow see you tomorrow 1 p.m eastern right here